Have any of you, raise your hand if you've ever visited Yellowstone, Yellowstone National Park. Have you ever visited Yellowstone National Park? Wow, a lot of you have visited Yellowstone National Park. We have some people like waving me down. All right, so when you were there, um, keep your hand up if you saw Old Faithful. Do you see Old Faithful? All right, so I've never been to Yellowstone National Park, Joel, but <laughs> just a little sign note. But what I've heard is it is this geological hotbed with hundreds of geysers and hot springs. And there's a geyser there known affectionately as Old Faithful. And Old Faithful is the most visited geyser, not because it's the prettiest, not because it's the tallest, not because it's the most beautiful, but because it is faithful. About every 80 minutes, Old Faithful erupts into the air. Now, the National Park Service um, knew this, and they built a, a boardwalk uh, that goes around it, and there's a gift shop and uh, different places that you can uh, view it. There's historic hotels and all these things around it. No doubt about it, Old Faithful is the center of attention. Now, I've never visited this site, like I said, but a friend of mine had, and she was telling me about um, when she was there, they would watch, and the geyser would shoot up into the air toward the heavens, about 100 feet high, and everyone would look up, and their jaws would drop, and their eyes would pop. And even those that watched it on YouTube before they came, there was nothing like it except being there. And there was just this wonder that just filled everyone up. And as Old Faithful uh, went into the sky and the, the water cascaded up and up and down, the crowd was spellbound. They were awe-filled. They were, they were dancing around, just, just saying how almost magical it seemed. And then the, the water would return to the earth and the water supply would be depleted. And then about 80 minutes later, it would happen all over again. And a whole new set of onlookers would witness its majesty. And when my friend told me that, that that happened, it made me think of this reverence, this spectacularness, and as she described it to me, I believe that that is the same dynamic that should occur when we worship God, when we come to worship God, that we should witness the spectacular hand of God, something beyond ourselves that makes us just in awe, spellbind, mesmerized by the life-giving, life-flowing power of God. And then we should be motivated to tell others about what we experienced. So what Old Faithful does for the tourists at Yellowstone, our worship should, of God should do for us every single week. And so we're concluding this worship series today. And it's been top shelf. If you missed any of it, uh, make sure you catch it on the podcast. We've learned from the Bible, right from the scripture, what God intends worship to be. And tonight we're gonna come together, like Pastor Don said, we're gonna celebrate, we're gonna have some extra time of worship right here in this room at 6.30. You won't wanna miss it. There's childcare available. Clear your schedule. It's probably still gonna be raining. Let's be real. And so just come and let's worship together everything we learned in this series. Let's leave it all here at the altar tonight. Um, so this morning, what I'd like to do is center our study around Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. And so let's read this together. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Okay, I want you to read verse 3 with me together. Are you ready? He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. 
Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. That is an amazing verse, maybe even to commit to your memory this week. And that's what we're going to talk about the most. But what's happening in these few verses is David had an experience with the Lord. Okay? We see that David was rescued from the slimy pit, from the mud, from the mire. Maybe quite literally, maybe emotionally, Maybe figuratively, he's talking about it. And it says he was rescued, and God gave him a a place to stand, a firm place to stand, and he was refreshed. And David had experienced the presence of God, and he was changed. And the scripture says he couldn't be silent about it. Is there anyone in this place this morning that understands this feeling? Is there anyone out there today who can't be silent because God has rescued you, because God has refreshed you? That's what I was hoping would happen, right there. Thank you, Jesus, that God has taken us from a slimy, miry pit, from a place where we didn't know where we could turn, and he's refreshed us, and now we can sing a new song. And so that verse I had you read out loud, saying praise to God in Psalm 40, verse 3, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Quint, I'm talking about new songs, all right, just want to tell you, you're welcome, all right? Tell these guys, he put a new song. It wasn't just a song that David sang. It wasn't a song that he knew that he was just repeating over and over. This was a new song. There was a freshness. I don't believe it's as much about the actual song, whether it's new or not. I was just teasing him. But it's this freshness. It's this newness. It was as though he was seeing and experiencing God for the very first time all over again. And in Psalm 40, verse 3 continues, and it says, Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. And this is the verse I really want to focus on today. I want, I'm praying that the revelation of God, the truth, would come into your heart today. Because this says, as David praised God, many saw it. They didn't just hear him, but they saw him. And in turn, the security that David found in worshiping God was that same security that they would find in worshiping God. And so David's joy before the Lord was his witness, David's joy before the Lord was his witness. So when the church gathers to worship, we also are gathering to be a witness. Worship always includes witness. Worship always includes witness. When people are far from God and they hear those people close to God giving heartfelt praise, they are intrigued. It's like wanting to see Old Faithful. I want to be there. I want to see the mystery and the awe and the wonder and the marvel. What is it that gets you there every week? What is it that makes you make worship a priority? And they ask questions. People that are far from God ask questions. Well, how does that happen? Why does that happen? And our prayer is that sparks from the fire of our worship ignite dry hearts and, and cause even others to sing a new song, maybe a song they've never sang before, and praise God. I read this story once about a preacher in a rural community um, who heard about a man who had announced that he would no longer attend church services because he could commune with God just as well on the riverbank. If this story was modern, the man would have said, I don't have to go to church because I can commune with God just as well with Facebook Live. So one winter evening, the preacher visits this reluctant parishioner, and for a while, the two just sit, sit before the blazing fireplace, saying very little, neither mentioning a word about church attendance, and the man waited uneasily for the pastor um, to broach the subject. And finally, the preacher picks up his tongs, 
lifts a single glowing ember from the fire, sets it down on the hearth, and both of them silently watch as that, um, that piece of the fire, the ember, quits burning, goes out, grows cold, and the fire continues to burn brightly. And the preacher asks one powerful question, did you just see that? And the man said, you don't need to say anything else. <laughs> I realize that the man, man cannot worship alone exclusively. I'll be in church next Sunday. Worship always includes witness. And we need each other. We need to witness the power of God in each other. So throughout the Bible, there is a close, vibrant relationship between worship and witness. And first, we see that spiritually lost people are drawn to Christ through worship. Worship is a magnet. It's like a magnet that attracts people to Jesus. Paul told uh, the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 14 to worship in such a clear way that if an unbeliever enters, they would be convicted of their sin, and they would fall face down and worship God, proclaiming, God is really among you. So is that how we worship? Honest worship draws people to God. Honest worship draws people to God. It makes the unbeliever sit up and take notice. Now, I know some of you have, have maybe wrestled through. You want to invite someone to church. You want to share your faith. But maybe you don't feel like you have the words. Maybe you don't feel like you're knowledgeable enough. Maybe you don't feel confident enough. What David is saying here is worship is witness. When you don't know what to do, worship when, when you want someone in your life to come into relationship with Jesus, worship. When you want the world to know about the promises of heaven, worship. William Booth is the founder of the Salvation Army, and he used to say this, if a church was on fire for God, people for miles would come to watch it burn. God's presence melts hearts. God's presence explodes mental barriers. And those seeking God may not, all, may not understand all that happens in a house of worship. Um, they may not understand why we take communion or, or why uh, maybe a certain song is what the significance is of or maybe an expression of a spiritual gift. They might not understand. And some of you may be hesitant to invite someone because you know that they didn't grow up in this kind of church. And let's be real. Sometimes we're a little bit weird, okay? Like you're thinking, what if something happens and I can't explain that? What, what if something goes on and I, and I, I don't know, they get, they get a little weirded out about that? This is what I want you to remember. We have a part and God has a part in the redemptive plan of the universe. And he is unfolding it just as he sees fit. And you cannot try to do God's part. You must do your part and obey what God's asking you to do and you let God do the rest. So what God is saying is worship is a witness, and if he is asking you to tell people in your life that he has trusted you with about him, then when you do that, you can trust God to do his part. You can trust God to give peace to an unchurched person who comes into a worship experience that may not ever have experienced this before. In fact, the scripture says that those spiritual gifts that we talk about, those expressions of spiritual gifts, are a sign to the unbeliever. 
You can trust that he will be faithful. And so for some of you today, you came to church because your action step needs to be stop making excuses and invite the person that you've been thinking about, invite them to worship because God is faithful and worship is a witness. Worship is a witness. So something else that, that should happen when we worship is that Christians should be sent out to share Christ after they worship. Christians should be sent out. I want to show you several places in the scripture, examples in the scripture where this happens. Let's start in Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. Now, if you read this passage, what happens is Isaiah sees the Lord seated on the throne, high and lifted up. The robe fills the temple. His eyes see the king. His eyes see the Lord of hosts. He hears the voice of the Lord saying, who should I send? Who will go for me? He worships God. He has this incredible experience. And his response is, here I am. Pick me. Send me. He's worship, he worships, and then he's commissioned to go and speak to the people. And Isaiah saw, he hears, he responds to God. And if he had not entered into worship, now don't, don't miss this. If he had not entered into worship, he may never have heard the calling of God on his life. And so God uses that worship experience to give Isaiah his purpose. All right, let's look at Matthew 28, 16 through 20 in the New Testament. There's 11 disciples traveling to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus has directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped. The scripture says, the scripture says some had doubts, but then Jesus comes near to them and he gives them these verses. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is called the Great Commission. This is probably something that you've heard before. This is why the church exists. This is the heartbeat of existence. And it, it tells individual believers and the church to go, tell other people about Jesus, help them make the decision to be baptized. And the context in which this command was given was during a worship encounter. That's where this command was given. The Great Commission was given following a time of worship, and the disciples saw Jesus, they worshiped him, and it was in that moment that these men received God's clear clarion call to go and enter the entire world and represent Jesus. And so we see over and over, oh, I have one more, Acts 2. Do you want one more? Good. All right, if you said no, I was going to do it anyway, so. All right, Acts 2, 1 through 41. It's the day of Pentecost. This sound of eternal worship invades this upper room. Luke describes it as a rushing wind because he doesn't know how else to describe it. It's this awesome, this beautiful sound. And it was heard by these God-fearing Jews from every nation who, who thought that these early disciples, maybe they were drunk. They had no idea what, they were acting so oddly. And the scripture says they weren't drunk. They were speaking the magnificent acts of God. And so 120 disciples were singing a new song, like Psalm 40 references. They had an experience and an encounter with the holy God, and it changed them, and they began to sing out a new song from all different kinds of languages, heavenly languages and earthly languages, and they were singing a new song. And the scripture says exactly what happened. The result is that 3,000, at least people, came to trust the Lord that day. That is exactly what Psalm 40 tells us would happen. That many will trust the Lord when we sing the new song 
that God puts inside of us. And these wholehearted worshipers called the whole world to wholehearted worship. They called the whole world to wholehearted worship. Worship should put something in us that can't stop, won't stop, until we share the hope of Jesus with someone. If worship does not affect you this way, you, you probably need to give yourself a good heart examination because perhaps you have lost sight of the original intention of worship. The scripture says it should light us on fire to the point that we can't close our mouths because of how good and faithful God has been to us. So here's the takeaway today. Here's the thing I want you to share and repeat and remember this week. The thing you wanna tell someone, hey, what was church about? Worship always includes witness. Worship always includes witness. And what makes worship so powerful is not um, the actual worship itself. We've been learning this series that worship isn't simply music, right? Worship isn't, isn't, isn't one thing. It isn't an hour and a half on Sunday morning. That worship is this, this lifestyle. It's not about the, the skillful tone of the musicians or the style or, or whether you like the songs or not. Because worship itself, the actual thing, isn't powerful. The power is in the God we're worshiping. The power is in the God we're worshiping. People worship a lot of things. That does not make their worship powerful. The power comes from the God who we're worshiping. Worship is about relating deeply and affectionately to a profound and loving God. And the reason that we can even express love toward God is because he first expressed love toward us. God is always the initiator in the relationship. God is always the initiator in the relationship. And when we come to worship, we must do so in acknowledging that, that we have no power, our songs have no power, our skills have no power. It's all in who we're worshiping. We don't need to conjure up the presence of God or create the presence of God. Worship is God's party. What we need to do is acknowledge the fact that that's true. And that God, because you are here and because you are worthy, we give everything we have to you. Now, I think one more really important thing that makes worship a powerful witness is when we are very careful to choose our audience. And we are very careful to choose our audience. I want to read Galatians 1.10 to you. It speaks really uh, candidly to choosing your audience. And it says, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. So when we are supremely focused in worship on our audience of one, on the God who deserves all the worship, it actually takes care of a lot of our fleshly trouble. When we want to make sure that God is the only one we're pleasing, when God is the only one we're giving worth to and value, it changes our complaints and our criticisms into praises and thankfulness. Pastor Quint touched on this a bit in the last two weeks of sermons, just about some, some things in this general area. But, but here's, here's how I would summarize it. Spiritual maturity doesn't get caught up on the vessel that things come in. Maturity digs out the truth and receives it in their heart. Spiritual maturity looks past form and function and goes straight to purpose. They look past form and function and go straight to purpose. If there is a truth to be found in a display of worship, a true worshiper will find it and receive it no matter the form. No matter the form. 
John 4.23 says it. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seek. So, so here's the deal. Some of you prefer it louder. Some of you prefer it quieter. Some of you listen to the gathers. We get a lot of that in the office with Pastor Don's corner, if you just want to walk down. Some of you like Bethel. Some of you like Hillsong. Some of you like to just free worship. You like a lot of space so you can talk to the Lord and say what you want. Some of you like to sing a chorus just one time. It gets right in there. Some of you like to beat a chorus until it's blue in the face and then do it again and again and again. It's all different. But spiritual maturity shows up to worship and if there's truth in it, they receive it as a seed of faith in their soul. And they connect with God through all, any, and all forms. The true mark of spiritual maturity is that when a worshiper who can receive the truth, they can receive the Holy Spirit in any vessel that it comes in. Any. And you know what's so beautiful about that? For me and for you? It takes all the pressure off the band to entertain you. It takes all the pressure off the impact singers to have the perfect harmonies. Takes all the pressure off the communicator to, to share the truth with you in a way that, that is relevant and funny and whatever. It, it, here's the thing it allows you to receive from God anywhere, any place, anytime, through anybody. Isn't that such a gift to you? Because you don't have to have all these preferences lined up. I got a little clapping over here. Come on, you guys need to like pep it up here. All right. Thank you. It allows you to be in a position that you can choose your audience. Every time you step into a worship experience, whether that's here at Erie First Assembly or somewhere out there, you can make a conscious effort to decide why it is you're there and who it is you intend to give glory, credit, and honor to. And when you get there and you make those decisions, you will engage an encounter with the Holy Spirit of God every single time. And that is what God wants us to do. And so there's a... There's a song that has been a staple in my heart these past few months. Um, it's not very, I don't even know if anyone have heard it. It's not a very popular song, but it's just something that the lyrics are, are really, um, they're repentant. They realign our heart to what God wants our worship to be. And I'm going to share it with you here uh, this, this morning. But I want to encourage you. Um, as the song begins and as we kind of just enter into worship again, this series, we did a little bit of worship in the beginning, but we really wanted to end so we can put some things into action, um, that sometimes we have to take a natural step to activate the supernatural. I say this a lot. We have to take a natural step to activate the supernatural. We talked about this the first week of this series, that you have to take an intentional risk. You have to start somewhere. And so maybe you never, ever close your eyes during worship, Maybe today is the day you try it. Maybe you never ever mouth the words. Maybe today you start with the chorus that you're familiar with. Maybe you never raise your hands or get on your knees or maybe you never pray between songs or maybe it's been a while since you sang a new song to the Lord or maybe it's been a while since you, you've used your, your prayer language in worship. He, here's the deal. Don't get passive or lazy with your worship. Challenge yourself to grow in this area because as we saw in Psalm 40, what God has done for us, he has rescued us, he has refreshed us, and the Lord says we must have a new song in our heart. We must express it. We cannot stay silent because the goodness of God. And so take the natural step God is asking you to 
And I want to just encourage you, if you want to experience something fresh and new in the supernatural, if there is something that that you have just wanting on God's heart, you just want to experience God, you feel like maybe you're a little bit distant from him or, or, or things are just a little bit boring in your spiritual life, here is the deal. You have to take the step. And when you do, what you do in the natural, God will bless in the supernatural. God will do something. We've been uh, in a lot of prayer, a lot of thinking about um, what God has been doing over this um, last few weeks with worship. And I just really believe that God has given our church this grand calling, that we are worshipers. So don't sit back and watch anymore. It's time. It's time to turn the corner. It's time to run hard after God. It's time to give him everything we got. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never
receive this word that that brief felt like God wants us to hear this morning um, so I always think of like I used to think of like coming to church as like an escape from real life right um, where where we have to go back to the things that we're dealing with when we leave here and and whatever that is for you whether it's shame or fear or or something um, like a, a financial struggle or something whatever that is for you that you have to go back to um, it's real but this is real too. Like this is not just an escape. This is real. This is the presence of God. And he goes with us when we leave. He, this, this experience in worship, this encounter isn't meant to stay here. We're supposed to take it with us. Worship isn't just the songs that we sing on Sunday. We're supposed to, to worship throughout the week. So this encounter that we have with God now, we're supposed to have that encounter throughout the week too because this is real and we're supposed to take this real to real life too. We're supposed to take this with us. There. All right, if you, if you need prayer for something in your life, I want you to come forward right now. Don't, don't hesitate. Come right now. Come to the altar. Come on, come on down. Bree's gonna pray for you. And the people that you come near are gonna put their arm, their hands on you. We're not gonna make you do anything weird. You just come down here. We just wanna love you and pray for you right now. All right, if someone came and stood by you, would you put your hand on them? All right, Bree, would you pray this truth that God just revealed to you? Would you pray it in boldness and in confidence that God would do something this morning? God, you are so good and you are so faithful. And God, we just praise you. We give you all the glory for showing up this morning. And God, you know each person's situation. God, you know what we're gonna deal with when we leave this building. But God, you're in it. And God, you see the end. You see your victory in this situation. And God, you share that victory with us. So God, we just thank you so much for what you're gonna do. God, we pray for wisdom and, and for discernment and the decisions that we have to make. God, we pray for courage and for boldness. God, we pray for a 
focus on you, that this week our minds will just be so focused on you that we can worship you in everything we think, do, and say. God, we can worship you in spirit and in truth in every situation. God, that we can take you with us in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirits. God, that we don't leave you here. God, we just thank you that you are present in every moment of our life. We pray that we would realize that so much more this week. God, we give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. It's your name we pray. All right, where's Kat? Don't you love when Jesus plans the service better than you can? I love that. Kat, come up here. I, Kat, I love when she hears the word of God, she just takes it into her heart and takes it literally. She says, okay, Lord, this is what you're telling me to do. And um, she's nervous. She doesn't want to do this. But I told her, since she told me, God released it in her. But she has just been praying, Lord, for a new song, just like we talked about, just a new song. And um, God really gave her one. And so... I just want her to share that this morning, and I want you to receive it too, because maybe God will help, that will resonate with your heart. I was singing, kind of singing earlier, guys. If you could just play like two chords back and forth, if that's okay. Um, there's this phrase that came over my heart years ago. I was up on stage, I think, just singing back up. And this phrase that the Lord gave me was not just to fill up, but to overflow. And that phrase or two sentences comes over me all the time when we're worshiping. And this morning it kind of turned into a new song. I have no idea how it goes. Um, but I was singing, not just fill up, but overflow more than we can hold. Let's see if we can turn into a song. I don't know how. So if you just close your eyes and concentrate on that phrase, and hopefully it'll come out of me eventually. Not just fill up, but overflow more than we can hold.